0: You're listening to a sermon from Hebron Baptist Church, a church in the northern Kentucky-Cincinnati area that's committed to making disciples who make disciples. We want our love for God to be evident in our lives and for the Word of God to bear fruit as we go on mission across the street and around the globe. We hope after hearing this message, you'll connect with us on our website at hebronbaptist.org and visit our campus, not far from I-275, in Hebron some Sunday morning. Our worship services are at 9.30 or 11. And now, here's a message from God's perfect, life-changing Word. Turn in your copy of God's Word to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 1 Corinthians 3 and verse 5. If you want to use the Bible that's in the pew in front of you, to follow along in that translation. It's page 1,000. 10- and 12, 1012. Turn your devices on to 1 Corinthians 3 5 through 9. Today we are continuing our series uh, based on our church covenant, kind of walking through passages that support the, the principles and ideas that we are found there, that we commit to life together to one another. And one of the outworkings of this, of what God is doing in us and through us through the gospel and our commitment to one another, is to be on mission together. That we are called, gifted, inspired, and and collected together to be on mission, to be the lighthouse, to be a, a place to reach the darkness here in northern Kentucky. And so together, we must understand that we're called to be on mission together. God has created a body. God has created a church. God has created something to do ministry and work here in northern Kentucky. And so today, we're going to look at this passage and see some principles that remind us of this call and mission that we have been given together. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 5 through 9. What then is Apollos? What is Paul? They're all servants through whom you believed, and each has a role the Lord has given. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So then neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. Now he who plants and he who waters are one, and each will receive his own reward according to his own labor. For we are God's co-workers." You are God's field, God's building. Let us pray. God, we are thankful this morning to hear these words, to be challenged by them, and most importantly, Lord, that we would obey them. And Lord, as we hear from you today, Lord, we trust that your word will not return void, but in the words that are said and the words that are preached are grounded in your words of life. And that they go out and that they change our hearts today. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. How do you know when a basketball team or a baseball team or a football team is successful? Or how do you know that they have done what they are called to do? Is it you decide whether they're successful by the coach calling all of their timeouts using all their timeouts no probably not Uh, is it successful for a baseball team at the end of the day that the the third base coach sent all the signals the correct way you know all those crazy signals. no i mean that they could play a major role in the game but it it's not the success of the right signals being put in how do you know that a team has been successful? They win the game by scoring the most points. And so we know that it is understandable to, under, to know that the right way to define success is by defining what success is correctly. In a game, it's scoring the most points. In the church, I'm afraid that somehow we have kind of mixed up what defines success and what doesn't. We're using the wrong terminology. We're using the wrong scorecard. Most of the time, and probably the last several decades, that that churches have used the scorecard of nickels and noses, money and attendance, or the ABCs, attendance, baptisms, and cash. Uh, These things are what usually people look to say, okay, if these things are going well, then maybe the church is good. But nowhere in the scriptures do we find this type of scorecard. We only see a scorecard of scripture that sees that disciples are making disciples. That's what we read here in Matthew chapter 28 when it says this, Jesus came near to them and said all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth go therefore and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you and remember I am with you always to the end of the age that's the scorecard That there are people being saved in faith and they are going out being discipled and finding others sharing the gospel and those people are being discipled to share the gospel. That there are disciples making disciples. That is the scorecard of scripture. That we are doing the work of the great commission. That we are seeing people one to Christ and people being discipled to Christ and those people going out and finding more people to share the gospel with. The problem has become, and we've seen it over the last several decades because of statistics, that Christians have stopped sharing the gospel. Now, there are many reasons for this. Some have stopped sharing the gospel because they've got discouraged. They've shared the gospel a lot. They're not seeing a lot of fruit. And so they kind of get tired of it and they just stop. There are some that don't share the gospel because they don't feel like they are equipped or know how to share the gospel. And then there's others who have falsely read into Scripture to think that it's somebody else's job. They've read Ephesians chapter 4 that says that some are called to be evangelists, and they think that there is some special calling that people have to share the gospel, that that's only the super Christian's job to do so. But we see from Matthew chapter 28 That's everybody's job. That's not just a special calling or a special gifting, but it's a spiritual discipline that we all should be about doing. How do I know this? Because the Bible tells me so. And not just in Matthew chapter 8, but every gospel of the words of Jesus and even to the book of Acts. Mark, in, in Mark, Jesus says to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. In Luke chapter 24, he says, And repentance for forgiveness of sins would be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning in Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. And look, I am sending you what my my father promised. As for you, stay in the city until you are empowered from on high. John chapter 20, verse 21. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. And then in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth. Are you a Christian? Have you received the Holy Spirit? then you have the Holy Spirit, you are to go. The, the Bible uses the word good news. It's, it's a word evangelion in the, the Greek that means the gospel. That's what we translate the gospel, but what it means is good news. We have good news that we were dead to sin, that we are separated from God, but here is the good news. Jesus came to save. We are we are frontiers men and women in the dark places of the world to people's hearts who have never heard the gospel that they might hear about Jesus that they might know that he is king that he is Lord that he has died for them and that in faith in him they can be saved this is good news and so my hope for you my hope for me is that we understand the urgent call to be about evangelizing and sharing the gospel to all people, to all creation, it says there. That everyone who is living and breathing needs to hear the good news of the gospel. It's my hope that you would see the church as as the place that, that, as Ephesians says, equip the saints. Now, who are the saints in Ephesians? Yeah, everybody raise your hand right now. Everybody who can hear me, raise your hand if you're able. Okay, some of you don't can't use your arms, but that's okay. Uh, that means you. You are the saints. You are to equip the saints, you and me for ministry. You are to be equipped to go out and share the gospel to the ends of the earth, to the neighbors and the nations. Now, in this passage. Paul is using, it's kind of a, uh, an interesting passage that we're using for evangelism today, but Paul's purpose is speaking into there's kind of an unhealthy nature going on to the church at Corinth. They are having this fight, and it's a weird fight, that they're saying that Apollos is greater, or Paul is greater, and these people there's factions being built in the church, and some of them have their Paul shirts on, and some of them have their Apollo shirts on. They don't, that doesn't happen. Uh, but they, they do this and they're fighting over one another and fighting over this. And Paul stamps down this argument and says, No, we are all called, we are all important in the gospel ministry. We all have a need to share the gospel. And today I want to look at these verses to find four truths to help us see the beauty of doing evangelism together. Number one is this. The first truth is evangelism is a team sport. Evangelism is a team sport. In verse five through six it says, what then is Apollos? What is Paul? they are servants through whom you believed and each has the role of the Lord has given. I planted." it. A Apollos water but God gave the growth. Now I'm going to stop right there because I think you see the essence of what I'm saying there is that on a team everybody has an important role. Now in high school I was a center for the football team and I had to block uh, for the running backs and I had to block for the quarterback and I had to give the quarterback the ball and he passed it so there was an important role that I played. Now my coach one day said Uh, He said, um, you have to do your job. The only problem about your job is the only person paying attention to what you do is me and your mama in the stands. Nobody else cares what the offensive lineman does except for me and her, because why? Everybody loves the quarterback and wants to be the quarterback. But on God's team, everybody has an important role. On that sports team, if the football game, the offensive lineman if they didn't block, the running back couldn't run anywhere. If they didn't block, the quarterback couldn't throw the ball. There was an important part to every part of the team. And in the same way, on God's team, everybody plays an important role. That's what Paul wanted to, to teach today and teach us today. He is helping us to see that every person has an important role in the kingdom of God, redeeming the world to Christ. Now, here in the Corinthian church, as we talked about, there was this fight going on. Paul later says, You're acting like babies, basically. Uh, immature conversation. I'm not going to even dive into how wrong this is. And he's, and he's, but he makes this principle I planted, Apollos watered, and God gave the growth. Each one of us had an important role in you, Corinthian Christian into coming to faith in Jesus. If I had not been there, the church might not have started. If Apollos hadn't been there and pastored and taught the word, you might not have come to faith. Each role is important. And for us to be reminded in this is that we all play a role in evangelism. Jesus commanded us to share the gospel. And every time that you share your faith, you share the gospel, it is important In God's plan. Sometimes you are the first person to share the gospel with that person. Sometimes you're the fourth or fifth person to share the gospel. But it doesn't matter because it's all important. God is using all of it to change people's lives. God has sovereignly gifted each one of us to play a role in the redemption of someone's life. The reality for us is this we don't have a bird's eye view of God's garden. God sees it all. And God knows what's going on in each person's heart and each person's life. Some of us are planting seeds for the first time. Some of us are praying and sharing again for another time. And some get the beautiful opportunity to reap. But most importantly, all of us are doing the work of the the gospel. And so it's vital that each one of us Help each other in sharing the gospel. And it's also important that knowing that we each play an individual role, that we work together. I think probably the most beautiful thing that God has given us about the church is that we don't have to do evangelism by ourselves. We can have people praying for us and for that person. We can have people going with us. We can have people Equipping us, we can have people that even we hand the baton off to other people in. Now, this is a beautiful thing. What would happen if you regularly brought your non Christian friends around your Christian friends? Well, I would find that one thing maybe you host a a, a cookout or or something that you're doing together, and they come together and they get to meet other people. Christians, maybe for the first time, or maybe uh, maybe they don't uh, regularly are around Christians. And so they, one, find out this thing. One, that Christians aren't as weird as they think they are. And they have normal likes, and they have normal things that they like to do. And that person that you bring along, that they, they, they get to have conversations with other Christians, and those Christians uh, are coming alongside, getting to know them, what would happen... If you're not a Christian friend, became friends with one of your Christian friends. They found out, hey, I like to go shooting or I like to play basketball or I like to go do something uh, that, that they like to do. And they say, hey, well, let, let's do that here in a couple weeks. And they become friends. And then guess what? There's two people now sharing the gospel and praying with this one person. Now, let me just kind of go one other step like Paul's saying here. If you've been sharing the gospel with that person for 20 years, And your friend on the basketball court shares the gospel with them, and they get saved. Are you gonna get mad at your friend for sharing the gospel with them on the basketball court? No, you're gonna celebrate because your friend has come to Christ. And the important thing is what? You have done it together. Evangelism is a team sport, and the good news is, is God has helped us to come together to do it. And I guarantee you this, that if you aren't seeing people's lives changed around you, if you're not seeing people come to Christ, the only way that is happening is if you're not sharing. That's the only thing that's happening. God will use you. God will allow you to change lives. God will allow you to soften hearts. God will help you water the gospel. God will use you to do many different things. But we pray and we hope that at Hebron Baptist and in your life, that we all get to use our opportunity to share the gospel, winning people, families, neighborhoods in northern Kentucky to Christ. In a book of evangelism, Max Stalls says something that I think would be my heartbeat, when he says this, I yearn for a culture of evangelism with brothers and sisters whose backs are up to mine in the battle where I'm taught and I teach about what it means to share our faith and where I see leaders in the church leading people to Jesus. I want a church where you can point to changed lives, where you can see people stand up and say, when I came to this church two years ago, I didn't know God, but I do now. And I long to be part of a culture of evangelism like that. And I bet you do too. I think that's the encouragement for all of us and that we'd love to see happen in our lives and in our church. The second principle and truth that we find here in the scripture is that evangelism is by God's power alone. Now in verse seven, we see this, for neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. Now, if you were to have a bowling ball and you were to set it on top of a wine glass, what would happen to that glass? It would break. That's right. Because it was not designed to hold or do holding a bowling ball, right? And that's the same thing that happens to us when we try to do the things that only God is supposed to do. God alone can save. God alone can change lives. And when we try to do God's role, we break, we fall apart, we don't do things. We, we share the gospel and nothing happens. We give up. We get frustrated because if something happens, we don't see life change happening. But instead of trying to do the things that God is supposed to do, let us understand what his role in salvation evangelism is. The first thing we know is that God has set the ground rules for salvation. What are those ground rules faith in the name of Jesus. Romans chapter three helps us understand this when it says, the righteousness of God is through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. Since there's no distinction for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, they are justified freely by his grace through redemption that is in Christ Jesus. God presented him as an atoning sacrifice in his blood, received through faith. To demonstrate his righteousness. Because in his restraint, God passed over sins previously committed. God presented him to demonstrate his righteousness at the present time. So that he would be righteous and declare righteous the one who has faith in Jesus. God has set the standard for salvation. God has declared to the world That it is by faith alone, through grace alone, in Christ alone, can we be saved. To summarize Romans chapter 3, God created the world, everything in it. He gets to set the rules and He lovingly created us. But in that, we have sinned. God, being the judge and the king and the creator, has said that sin leads to death and destruction. So what are we to do if we are sinners and that we get our lives and sin lead to death and we are separated from God? Well, the good news that we read in Romans and throughout the Bible is this, that Jesus came, God fully in the flesh, that he died on the cross, that he was buried in a grave and three days later he came to life again and in this, Jesus by his mercy by God's mercy alone has been given us the opportunity to have faith and trust in Jesus. And he extends an invitation for us to personally trust him. But the reality is this. That it's in Jesus and Jesus alone that we are saved. Jesus himself said so in John chapter four, verse 14 verse 6. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Therefore, the dividing line that God has given is that you must repent and believe in Christ alone. Now, why is this important? Because I believe there's someone here today that needs to trust in Jesus. I just know that when we come into a group like this, that there's someone who have trusted in something other than Jesus alone. Maybe they've trusted in their attendance at church. Maybe they've trusted in living as a good American person. Maybe they've trusted in helping or volunteering with poor kids in Africa, and they think that by all this goodness, they have accredited themselves something that would make them worthy of God loving them. Well, friends, all those might be good things, but God has established it's only through his son Jesus that you can be saved. And so my prayer for you today is that you would would cry out to God, that he would convict your heart, and that you, by faith, would receive Jesus today but also this teaches us something about evangelism that's a very difficult message that I just shared and to the world it says the Bible says it's foolishness that when you're unsaved it's something that you don't understand and it's hard to hear and so sometimes we get fearful to share that message Well, friends, I don't know about you, but my mailman delivers every letter that's supposed to come to my house. He, if he had somehow knew what was in the mail, and maybe it was bad news, maybe he would feel convicted and not deliver it to me. Maybe he's like, "Oh, this electric bill is pretty high. I just, I feel bad for for the Dobbinses. I'm not going to put this in their mail slot." Now, he he can't do that, right? Because even if he didn't deliver it, the bill would still be due, right? And he wouldn't do that just because it's a bad message. His job is to share. Well, friends, it's the same thing for us. We didn't make the message, God did. But it's true no matter whether we deliver it or not. People must come to faith in Jesus, and it's a hard message, but we've got to deliver it if they have an opportunity to be saved. So for us, we cannot be silent. We must share the gospel because it is God's gift and message to us. Secondly, we see it's God that does the saving. He brings people to conversion or new life. How do we see this? Well, all throughout the Bible, Psalm 3.8 Salvation belongs to the Lord. May your blessing be on your people. Isaiah forty three eleven. I, I am the Lord. Besides me, there is no other Savior. John forty six forty four. No one. This is Jesus talking. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up on the last day. Second Timothy one nine. He has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works. But according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. Jesus again said in John chapter 3, 5 through 8, Jesus answered, truly I tell you, unless someone is born of the water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Whatever is born of the flesh is a flesh, but whatever is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not be amazed that I told you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it pleases and you hear its sound and you don't know where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. The Scriptures tell us that it is God who saves according to His purpose, according to His power. Now, why is this good to us? Why is this good? Because there is no one outside the reach of God every person can be saved if I have been saved anyone can be saved if God has the power to save then I can freely share the gospel and watch him work I believe in a God who saves and is powerful to save then we must be willing to share we must understand that every time we share the gospel, God is at work. God is doing something. And let us not be discouraged because if that person shares the go- doesn't respond to the gospel, we must understand and trust God is still at work. And it frees us to know this. It's not based on our performance or our presentation. It's not that if we fumble the words... It's not that if we forget a step, but mainly that they trust Jesus and a faith to be saved and let the Spirit work. Now that doesn't mean you don't learn to present the gospel, but we must not have this fear that we're gonna mess it up because it's not up to us, it's up to God. It's God doing the saving. He requires obedience alone from us. And then he does the work. Thirdly, we see that God is is, uh, the power to save because God is the evangelist. And this is important because he places lost people next to me. Next to me. We know that God is sovereignly working things out so that people can hear the gospel. We also know that someone cannot be saved unless they hear the gospel and respond Someone must tell them. And so in Romans chapter 10, we hear, so faith comes from what is heard and what is heard comes through the message about Christ. God divinely organized the world to put lost people next to you, to move them into the house next door, to put them in the airplane seat beside you, to put them at your kid's soccer game as you sit and watch hours on end of people and running after a ball. God has placed lost people beside you because he's already done a work in you and expects you to share. God is working by putting people next to you. So the question becomes for us then, who is our responsibility? What, who has God placed near us that needs to hear the gospel? Now this always brings up concerns, especially with people with young children because they say, boy, I'm running from this class to this, this thing and this appointment to that appointment and, and they can get discouraged. Families can get so discouraged, I don't have time to be in the community, I don't have time to share the gospel. Well, let me tell you this, one, your most important role is in a family is sharing the gospel with your kids. Evangelism is the front yard of evangelism. It is doing the work of sharing the gospel. And so you, uh, though, are pouring into your family, that is just as vital, as important, as anything else going on. And so don't be discouraged or dismayed because you still have a vital role in people coming to faith, namely people in your family and your children. But that doesn't exempt you from finding opportunities to share the gospel. You must look more intentionally to find ways to share the gospel. Use your trip to the Y or when you're watching your kids play on the playground or when you're watching that soccer practice and you sit from hours on end, understand and trust that God is putting people near you that need to hear the gospel. So you cannot tell me that when you go to the Y every week, or that you go to basketball practice every week, that there is no lost people there. That you don't have the time to to find something if you're constantly going to a scheduled event and you know that there are people there. There's people behind the counter. There's people doing the instructing. There's people who, who are all over the place that you can share the gospel with. And let me tell you this, that if you go to these places and all you do are talking with your Christian friends and not having the opportunity to get to know people who don't know Jesus, you're wasting a sovereign divine plan in your life. I sat in a football practice all fall long, and my sole purpose of sitting there was to get to know the people that were around me. I got to invite someone to church. I got to see them in the community this week and bring them along. I didn't have any other opportunity to sit there at that football practice, and I was gonna use what God had given me for that time in my life. Are you using those opportunities? Are you intentionally looking for people To share the gospel well friends let's be emboldened that God is doing the saving saving and that only our obedience to share is required and may we see the urgency for us to obey and may we never be satisfied with going fishing all the time and not catching fish may we always keep going may we always keep sharing Thirdly, or third, the third truth, evangelism brings joy. Verse 8, it says this, Now he who plants and he who waters are one. So who is that? Everyone who is working, Apollos and, and Paul are one. Those who are sharing the gospel, those who are encouraging others in the gospel are one. And each will receive his own reward according to his own labor. Paul encourages us to plant and water. To share and to share and to share and to pray and to pray and to pray and be used by God. And just as the parable Jesus said, that while the master is away, we should be faithfully working. And what Paul reiterates here is as we are faithful, we will receive an award, a reward. Now this is not a reward of a matter of salvation or co- versus condemnation, but a re- reward received By faithful servants with the focus on bringing praise to God and knowledge of his pleasure. Jesus speaks to this in Matthew chapter 16 verse 27. For the son of man is going to come with his angels in the glory of his father. And then he will reward each according to what he has done. Now some of us when we get to heaven. We will be rewarded by the crowns of righteousness that we will receive from God. Some of us will be rewarded by seeing the impact of the people that God has allowed us to plant and water and meet those people that God has used, used us into saving and sharing to salvation. The good news of this is that we will be rewarded for our work. So it brings us joy now in both the failures and in the successes. But it brings us reward right now because we are counted among Christ and the prophets that we are accounted among those who are, are, are received and, and doing God's kingdom work. Luke chapter 6, uh, 22 through 23, Jesus says, Blessed are you when people hate you, when they exclude you, insult you, and slander your name as evil because of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy. Take note, your reward will be great in heaven, for, for this is the way their ancestors used to treat the prophets." How can we be in joy as we share the gospel and are faithful in evangelism? Because we know that we're counted among Christ Himself and the prophets doing the faithful ministry work of sharing the good news of Jesus. In the Old Testament, we read the people hated the prophets because they were bringing pretty bad news from God. (laughs) Repent or die. Repent or die. In the same way, Jesus, think of Jesus, Jesus was the most kind gentle evangelist that ever walked the face of the earth jesus always had his gospel presentation together jesus was faithful in taking every opportunity even when a woman reached out and touched the hem of his garment he never looked and passed an opportunity to share the gospel jesus was the perfect evangelist and yet the world hated him Friends, it can be our joy that we are counted among Christ, that we are faithful to the mission. It's joy to be part of His mission. It's joy to see God at work in our lives and the lives of others, that God is using us to plant and water and do great things to see the world come to Christ. And we do this for all for His glory. So it brings us joy. And one day it will bring us reward. Fourth and finally, the next steps in evangelism we can take together. Verse four, uh, excuse me, number four, the next steps in evangelism we can take together. Verse nine, we see this, for we are God's co-workers. We're doing this together. You are God's field, God's building. Paul emphasizes that every role is important in the kingdom of God We're all co-workers. We're all brought into the church. We're all God's building. We're all equipped and gifted to serve Him on mission. So how can we work together day by day, year by year, at getting better at sharing the gospel? Well, number one, we can pray. People who are not praying are usually not sharing the gospel If you're not praying for lost people, you're usually not sharing. So God, if he's doing the work, we need to call on God's power. So we need to pray. Get this and think through this. Paul, throughout his letters, prayed for boldness and clarity. Friends, if Paul needed boldness and clarity, we certainly better be praying for that. We need both. Are you praying for boldness and opportunity to share the gospel? Secondly, we need to cross the pain line. There's a pain line we all have of getting across that takes us beyond our comfort to share the gospel. We do this by being convicted and having compassion. That we are convicted of knowing that we have been saved and everyone else needs to hear this message, this truth of the gospel, but that we have compassion like Jesus had compassion on the world. And so maybe every day you should say to yourself, this, maybe creed or motto when was I converted well the answer is before time so what does that mean I'm valuable to God he loves me why is today better than yesterday Well, I'm one step closer to heaven I'm one day closer to that. but that reminds me that those who are lost are one day closer to hell so then why is today a great day Because God has made today for my good and his glory. That it has been planned by God to grow me and impact others' lives. We need to cross the pain line and share the gospel. We need to get trained. Number three. Uh, Three circles, you can go online right now on YouTube or on an app called Life on Mission and get trained to share the gospel using three circles. We've done training here. You can ask someone in your life group or a pastor to train you to get better. You can use, as we've said, one-to-one. Uh, That's a very simple evangelism strategy to read the gospel of John with someone who is not saved. And we're going to have someone uh, come in August, I believe, to share and train us even more if you did not get trained before. Maybe even read books uh, that we've listed at the bottom of your notes there. One I highly recommend is this book, Evangelism, by Max Stiles. It's a great way to primer for you to be challenged to share the gospel. But no matter what you do, you need to Practice and do it. Practice with other believers and do it with unsaved people. That's the only way to get better at it. You need to get trained. Fourth, you need to go on mission trips regularly. The church has one mission, and that is to make disciples of all nations across the street and around the world. We must share the gospel. And so we must think about regularly being on mission. Now, you might say, we must share here. We don't go on mission trip. Well, yes, you do both. It's not one or the other. Your job is to reach God whom has placed beside you. So you, there's no program that we can come up with that is better than you walking across the street and sharing the gospel with your neighbor. That's what we're called to do biblically. But together, we can go on mission to places who need gospel shares. You might even say, well, just let the Christians there do it. Well, friends, when there are areas that have less than 2% Christians, who's going to do it with them? Who's going to share the gospel? Friends, we have been called to cooperate together to go on mission. And so you need to regularly be on mission trip. Plan to be on mission every year, or at least every other year. And think about how you can be involved on mission trip. Take your families. Families, consider doing a mission trip with your children. Why? Because you are being obedient to the Great Commission. And when you go on mission, you are trained to be better at evangelism when you get back than when you left. You are being a faithful member by using your gifts for the kingdom. And that's by going on mission and sharing the gospel right where you are. uh, One, two, three, four, five. Be an everyday evangelist. Who is God putting in your path today? Who's the one person that you're building a relationship with the gospel? Who are you doing a word one-to-one with? Who are you inviting to church? Friends, I would love to see the go and tell box overflowing that we would have to let out those ping-pongs to make room for more because you and I are faithfully sharing the gospel and inviting people to church. We can only do it together. Our challenge today is to be together on mission. And Charles Spurgeon once said, every Christian is either a missionary or an imposter. Will you do your part at sharing the gospel and share with your neighbors and friends? Will you fulfill the role that God has ordained to you to to share with the person God has placed beside you? Will you be equipped in the church and and encourage others to share the gospel? Will you work together to reach northern Kentucky and the nations for Jesus? We have a great mission, but a greater God. And may we go make disciples for Him. Today, we need to respond, and maybe you need to respond Privately, by saying, God, I need to go and I know exactly who you've put in my path and I need to be faithful at sharing the gospel with and we will be praying for you. Or maybe you need to respond publicly this morning. In just a few minutes, we're gonna have you stand and sing and, and if you need to respond publicly, maybe you need to come this morning and say, Pastor, I need to know more about salvation. I need, I need to trust Jesus. We would, we would be so excited for you and privately we'll talk up here and share the gospel. And we pray that you would respond today. Maybe you would say, Pastor, I need to take that next step in, in responding to the gospel. I need to be baptized. That's just a public way of showing the world that I'm a follower of Jesus. We'd welcome you and celebrate you this morning that you've taken that step. Or maybe you come forward this morning publicly to join This church, that you would say, Pastor, I want to be accountable to the church and I want the church to be accountable to me, that we would work together for the mission of Jesus. We would welcome you with open arms. Whatever that is, we pray that God would move you to respond publicly. Before I pray, let's do this. Let's all stand and say this paragraph of our church covenant together that summarizes our call together. Okay, I will say this and then I will pray. We will support the ministry and mission of the church to proclaim the gospel and to evangelize those around us and pray for God to move in the hearts of the lost. Let us pray. God, thank you so much for uh, being with us this morning in your word. And through your spirit, we pray, God, that we would be faithful. We would be obedient that God, we would be changed. And God, I pray that everyone in this room would take a baby step in obedience this week, either by being trained to share the gospel or actually sharing the gospel or by inviting someone to church. Whatever that baby step is, Lord, I pray that they would be faithful. And God, as we proclaim the gospel here today, we pray that you who are faithful would do the work And today you would bring someone to salvation. Today they would trust you and you alone and your son Jesus to be saved. And today would be the day of their salvation. We pray this for you to work, God, in our hearts. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this message from Hebrew Baptist Church. We pray as you have listened, the Holy Spirit has worked in your heart that you may be faithfully follow Him. Most importantly, we hope that you have been drawn into a relationship with God. At Hebron, we believe that the gospel is the central message of the Bible. The gospel is that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, who was born of the Virgin Mary, lived a sinless life, and died for our sins. But He was raised from the dead and ascended to the right hand of God. The most appropriate response to hearing this good news is turning from sin and turning to Christ. Don't stay far from God. Instead, repent and believe in Christ and be brought into an intimate relationship with Him. If you would like more information about this life-changing decision, please contact us through our website at hebronbaptist.org or even better, come see us on a Sunday morning. May God bless you as you follow Him.